as Shannon comes to read the scripture, it's a very short scripture, I am looking for the one descriptive word about what the Bible is. Before I read, Brad, I need to tell you that Isaac gets what you just said. Three years old, this morning, I went to give him breakfast, and he looked at the milk carton, and he said, God is in there. And I said, yes, God is in there. And then I went to tell, when we saw Tom, I said, Tom, you know, Daddy, Isaac said that God is in the milk this morning. And Isaac said, yeah, God is in everything. <laughs> so, I can hear it. his little voice saying it. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, duh, Mom. So, Thank you. Let's hear the word of God from the second letter of Paul to Timothy. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and firmly believed, knowing from whom you have learned it, and how from childhood you have known the sacred writings that are able to instruct you for salvation through Jesus Christ. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, so that everyone who belongs to God may be proficient, equipped for every good work. Holy wisdom, holy word. Oh, Isaac the theologian. Well, we've talked a little bit about um, our GPS and how important those things are to us. We've We've talked about maps, and yeah, you know, I, I've said it, I said it on my blog, you know, that maps still even come in paper. It's amazing. I have to tell you how much I struggle driving a car that has OnStar because that means that I have to take some action in order to find direction. And, but I do. And so I push that button, and all of a sudden, a voice from somewhere comes on, and I say, this is where I'm trying to go, and they say, well, I'll help you get there, and then onto this little screen in the car, I get directions. And then I get this soft, wonderful voice who says, turn right at, in 200 yards. And if I miss the turn, then I get scolded. <laughs> Redirection. Love that word. Redirect. And that is so much of what I want to talk about today. But here, here's a couple things. The Bible is old. It's thick. It's got a lot of different books, and each seems to have its own agenda. It sometimes feels outdated. It's often confusing. It can, and just can't. It often contradicts itself. There is that older part that we call the old. There is the newer part that we call the new. And each one seems to have a different version of what God is. Laura talked last week about you know the, the flood story. And I remember as a child, you know, singing, singing about Noah and Noah's Ark. It's amazing how romanticized we can be about a story in this scripture that says God pretty much destroyed everything. And yet we sing about it because it was really seven by seven, not two by two. But it was, it was a story in the scriptures about a vengeful, angry God. And over and over and over and over again, we see that version of God in the Old Testament. And then you come to the New Testament, and here is this, 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 these four books about the life of Jesus. And John, at the beginning of his gospel, says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. 
And the word is capitalized. And the word means God became flesh to, to really look at what God might be. And you remember in our study of Matthew last year, the words of Jesus looking at the Old Testament and saying, I have not come to abolish that. I've come to fulfill it or even redefine it so that you'll have a deeper understanding of what this God is. It's phenomenal that way. And and then you have all these different versions, all these different flavors of this book. 67 was the last kind of count that that I heard. 67 different versions of the Bible. And by that, I mean either a paraphrase or a translation or just somebody's opinion about about what this is really saying. And that doesn't count all those specialized, like the Life Application Bible and the, the Women's Bible and the Men's Bible. I haven't ever seen the Men's Bible, now that I think about it. But, but just think of what we have tried to do with this book. It's, it's phenomenal how much is there. So... Here's what I kind of believe about it, just so you all know. I believe the Bible and the way that it is set up is kind of similar to us as human beings. Do you remember how you viewed God when you were five years old? Remember singing, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. You remember, I think for me it was God, it was that kind of Santa Claus-like looking Long white beard, white hair, big book, throne, crown, those kinds of things. And as I grew up, I saw God God differently. When I was a teenager, I questioned it all. I struggled with so much of it. You know, growing up as a PK, as a preacher's kid, you know, I just pushed against that in, in some healthy and some unhealthy ways, but just questioned it all and challenged it all and struggled with it all. And then there were some things that happened that, that made me kind of angry, and things in my life, and then I wanted to blame God. And then some really good things happened, and uh, I, I kind of wanted to thank God. And, and then I grew into my 20s and 30s and gained even more maturity and, and saw God differently and began to see God as some complex kind of thing, no longer on a throne. And then began to study and see even more and more and more in different aspects of this holy mystery. It's amazing. And isn't that kind of how the Bible is laid out? For in the beginning you have these beautiful creation stories and these other stories that seek to describe God. And as you move through, you have these other kinds of stories that that seek to describe relationships with God and and how honest those are about places of success and throughout much of the Old Testament even more places of failure and and struggle. And then you you go into that that, that area of the poetry of, of just the deep, deep honesty of joy and struggle and sorrow relating to God. And then you have the teenage version. Or maybe it's the parent of the teenage version. The prophets. Trying to tell you exactly how you need to be behaving in order to get where you need to go. And then you have the Gospels. And everything seems to be turned on its ear and and a much more mature kind of 
examination of what God is like and then an interpretation of that in the epistles and, and, and then finally at the very end this really confusing, this kind of overtly violent place of, of a description that is designed to give hope to those who are really significantly struggling in a time of persecution. It's a complex book. And yet, in the midst of it, here's, here's kind of what I think about it. Even in the midst of all that, we find things like encouragement and comfort and emotion and relationships and even peace. I think the word that Paul uses in 2 Timothy is perfect. The word is inspired by God. Inspired by God. I believe it's filled with God. But here's what I think as well. I think more accurately, and I want to read this, it is humanity seeking to explain and experience something that is tough to define and even tougher to explain. In a nutshell, it is the story of humanity seeking God, and I believe it is an overview of how this mysterious power that we call God is also seeking to be found. But I also want to say, if in fact we believe what Paul is saying to Timothy, that is inspiration, let me talk about what I don't believe it says. It doesn't say that every word and rule and law in the Bible needs to be followed. It doesn't say that the book is somehow inerrant. It's inspired. It doesn't say that if you don't follow things to the letter, that we will in some way be eternally damned. It doesn't give us some window into whatever hell might or might not be. It doesn't go there much. It does, however, give us a window into what heaven is or can be, including heaven on earth. In this time of Lent, what we do is seek to turn toward it. And what I want to do is kind of offer you a few examples of how you might do that. And I've just pulled out some scriptures that I think are deeply encouraging and comforting and in some cases challenging. And just read those and have you dwell in those words and even be inspired by those words as I read them and they come from almost every area of the Bible. From Isaiah 41. Fear not, for I am with you. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you and undergird you. I will hold you in the strength of my hand, says your God. From Deuteronomy 31. It is the Lord who goes before you. God will be with you. God will not leave you or forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. From Zephaniah chapter 3. The Lord your God is with you in your midst. A mighty one who will save you. God rejoices over you with gladness and will quiet you by God's love. And how about these very familiar verses from the 23rd Psalm? 
The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. God restores my soul. And even though, even though, I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, God is with me. Matthew 11. Come to me, all who labor or are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. For I am gentle and humble of heart, and you will find rest for your souls. And finally, from Romans. Something that I think we all too often forget. That there is nothing, nothing that can separate us from the love of God. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. And even beyond those kinds of scriptures, this, this Bible helps us understand what we are to be in community. I remember years ago writing a paper about the 15 most significant one another verses in Scripture and how those help us as a church define exactly how it is we are to be with one another. And then it doesn't stop there. And tonight we have an example of this because we don't stop with just this. We move this beyond our doors to go into the world to be God's hands and feet and voice and heart beyond these doors. And the most appropriate statement that we can pull directly out of Scripture is that we are to love our neighbors no matter who, no matter where, no matter what they are, as we love ourselves. And you've heard me say it before. Did you sleep in a bed last night? Did you eat food over the last couple days? Did you find comfort in relationships? Did you find a sense of hope? Those are all aspects of loving ourselves. And it is what we are to offer our neighbors. 